Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Sometimes the world looks like you ain't ever seen it before. Stuck behind never-ending windows. All you need is a door. Searching for something to put a smile back on your face. Just remember in unusual times it can come from an unusual place. You need a partner for the ride. Cause everybody needs a climb. So set your worries to the side. Just ask. Say the word and I'll be there. Just ask. You know the greatest things in life. I'll come in a pair They say hindsight's 2020, But that ain't far enough behind me So if you want the sweetest honey I think hindsight's 1990 There's no need to pretend I got a hand I can land Cause when you really need a friend Just ask Shit 90 shows taught me Shit 90 Shows Taught Me was not filmed before a live studio audience. Welcome back to Shit 90 Shows Taught Me. I'm Jess Sterling, here with my co-host, Sarah Ferguson. Sarah, how are you? No, 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 stop it. We're recording this podcast according to Master Jack's rules. Bad form, Jessica. <laughs> you got to invite our guest first. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, here to join us today, uh, the one, the only, lost boy, Captain Kevin. Kevin, how are you? Hey, I prefer a forever child, I guess, maybe. <laughs> I don't know uh, what name specifically I want to go with, but... Boy, oh boy, is it my dream to just be a forever child in Neverland. <laughs> yeah, like I, I like I feel like being a lost boy is probably underrated. Like that feels like the most fun um, of all the things you could do uh, just to be like, especially that food. Like it doesn't look appetizing, but it looks fun to play with. Oh, yes. I mean, that's what they did, right? They had a huge old food fight. Let yeah. me let me tell you both. I am so pumped to be on for this specific movie. Because I love this movie so much, and I am such a huge fan of just the mythos of Peter Pan. Like, it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things ever. So, I'm, I'm like, practically vibrating <laughs> in excitement over this right now. Would you say that you're a Peter stan? Oh, oh I am. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I am the biggest Peter stan. It's Peter stan, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this way back when. Like, if you, if anybody listened to our Casper podcast, Kevin was on with us for that. And I'm, I'm fairly certain, I don't know if it was on the podcast, but we talked about you coming on for a hook way back then. So, it's finally happening. The we're prophecy here. is fulfilled. Yes. <laughs> uh, we're talking about 1991 Hook movie, obviously based on the, the mythos of Peter Pan, based on kind of like Peter and Wendy and, you know, all of that. Uh, Spe- Steven Spielberg film, wild. You definitely, I feel like I've watched enough Steven Spielberg now to kind of like feel 
when it's a Steven Spielberg film, like you can almost like Jurassic Park, Steven's it's it's like there's just like this energy in the movie and like the the score, like you could definitely tell Spielberg is like heavily involved in this movie. Um, I mean Spielberg wishes that he wasn't, but <laughs> Which is ludicrous. Ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. Right ludicrous. Now, as of this recording, like two days ago, there was this thing on Twitter, a meme going around where it was like QRT this with uh, the movie you love and it's Rotten Tomato scores mm-hmm. and the amount of people that had hooks specifically as the response, I think says so much about like yeah. where this movie really lies and where like, I guess Spielberg's mentality at the time and yeah. the critics just completely misaligned, I think with a entire generation of kids. Yeah, we're going to have to do a deep dive as to why this movie was perceived so poorly back in 1991. What went wrong here? Mm-hmm. What the issue was? Because I still don't totally get why it was criticized so harshly back in the day. Yeah. But Kevin, you're right. Like anyone who was a kid in the 90s loved this movie. And grew up loving this movie. So all the millennials on the Twitter answering that question all love Hooks. So what's the disconnect here? Why um, is there not a correlation between the love um, with critics and with the love of the people of now? From what I saw online of like a lot of the critics reviews, it was like basically like retreading old territory. And like what what did they bring that was new to the table versus like already existing is literally everything that's that's, my problem with with that criticism because this is one of the first to do this in this real way that i think is extremely successful Mm -hmm. extremely referential makes sense to the the arc of the characters and also like if this movie came out now when you're doing these just like it's the friends but 20 years later like this is before it's time and i think a lot of it is just this movie wasn't for I think adults in a way because this is this is at its heart I think a kids movie because Peter Pan is about being a kid the villain are adults adults are the bad guys so yeah. you like full out adults who are the critics of it I think that's where a huge disconnect is going to come in I suppose I can see that but like Sarah and I were like mentioning a little bit before the podcast like I don't really understand what the genre is intended to be right because it is a very long movie especially when I think like for children if you're going over two hours like I don't understand how any kid is sitting through that movie so to have it clock in at around two and a half hours like it's a pretty lengthy movie for a child um and I feel like the vibe of it feels like it's more meant for like adults who have that nostalgia for the story of Peter Pan right because the animated Peter Pan film was a 1953 film like this story is very old it is not a new story so that's where I I think 1903 yeah so it's kind of like I feel like it kind of falls in that really wonky territory of like it's meant to be a children's story but the way they frame it feels a little bit more adult for me at least when I was watching it I think uh, it's I think it is for younger kids I don't know it's hard for us to say for adults like if I had to pick an age I honestly think it's like around the age we all were when this movie came out. I think you're looking at like eight to 13 year olds, maybe 14 year olds Mm -hmm. like that range, because 
this movie is about the fear of growing up, as Peter Pan basically is about, except addressed in a different way. And when you're that age, from 8 to 13, you're entering adolescence. You're growing up. It's a big change you're going through. And the movie talks about that. And, like, the idea of, like, growing up doesn't mean becoming this. You can still be yourself. You can still be a kid, right? Like, just mm-hmm. different. And I think that's maybe why it resonated with us specifically, because I think this movie is meant for that age demographic who can probably make it through the movie of two hours and 20 minutes. But like a seven year old won't, you know? Right. Well, I was absolutely seven years old watching this movie in amazement. And apparently back then I did not mind the two and a half hour time (laughs) stamp, which is funny because now as like a 30 whatever year old, I'm like, oh, like this movie is like running a little long. Maybe my attention was better. My uh, better when I was a kid. I I totally agree. Yeah. I think it's hard as an adult to sit through a long movie way harder than it was as a kid. Um, no phones back then to distract you. No Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Only no, giant like, phones. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, his yeah, phone giant, in this giant movie cell phones. was wild. Like I especially loved because, like, I feel like when this movie came out, um, it was like the the hip thing to have like the little holder for your like the mm-hmm. holster for your cell phone. And it's like, oh my goodness, if we saw anybody with a cell phone holster nowadays, it is like they would be made a mockery of. Like, bring it back, bring it back. <laughs> I I know that my fiance once like has talked about cell phone holders. Her dad definitely has one because he is just like an old school mentality, yeah, uh, yeah. type. Um, because like especially if you're. If you're a girl, like you don't you know, have pockets. Pockets, <laughs> so like your it is my biggest gripe. Or... It is my biggest gripe with women's clothing in general, and I could, I could rant about this forever. But like the fact that not all leggings in yoga pants have regular pockets is truly a travesty. Um, and it's just like we shouldn't be forced to put our cell phones in our bras. I know it's nature's pocket, but we shouldn't be forced. We should be able to have pockets on our pants. Right. I mean, but Jessica, as a purse hater, then you should totally accept the cell phone holster. But the thing is, is what do you do if you're wearing a dress? What are you holstering it to? Belt. I'm Belt sorry. It. What? <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's just take, let's take a half a step back for a moment, please. You, you all put your cell phones in your bra? Is that, that's the You that's do it thing? like, so you do it like on the side, right? Like you, you you throw it in the side thing. If you don't have anywhere else to put it and you need to put it somewhere, that's where it's going. I don't put my phone in my bra. It, <laughs> is this a little, just a Jess thing? Is this Jess is not just a me thing. A thing. This is cer- other people certainly do this. I guess it also depends on like how gifted you are in that particular area. But like, yeah, like I feel like a lot of people do it because let's be real, like leggings don't usually have okay. pockets. Kevin, the deal is, is that she's so resistant towards a purse. Yeah, I'm not a purse That person. she rather put her phone in her bra than holds a bag. That's the problem. Because the whole thing for me is I need full range of movement with my arms. <laughs> So and a purse is just gonna weigh you down. Exactly, exactly. I In high school, you refuse to wear a backpack. You never <laughs> oh, no, had backpack books. Backpack is fine. Is if it's on your back and your your hands free, you're good. So I'm I'm pro backpack. But yeah. So to get back to it, um, I also love the cell phone quick draw. That they That's so, it was so silly. <laughs> I was like, what is the purpose of this? Um, that was amazing. You can answer work calls faster. Yeah. <laughs> I would not win. Whenever I get a work call, I basically throw it out the window. <laughs> I mean, we are of a different generation. 
bitch now. Yeah. Or like, get out of here. Work yeah. is my time. <laughs> Calling me. Yeah. I pull a full Moira, like, <laughs> tossing that shit out in the snow. Yeah. So uh, let, let's let's get into the cast a little bit. Because, like, um, so I, I think I mentioned this before, but my husband had never seen this movie. Shocking to me. So he watched it with me um, when we watched it for the podcast. And he was like, holy crap. Like, there's, like, a legitimate all-star cast in this movie. Um, obviously, first top billing, top, top, top billing, Robin Williams, Peter Banning, uh, Peter Pan himself. Brilliant. I feel like you really couldn't pick a better person for a role like this. Kevin. Perpetual child, right? Like he yeah. is he's the person that when you think of like he was just Peter Pan grown up. Like he was mm-hmm. like the idea of like still a kid at heart, you know, that youthful energy. Obviously, there was like a lot of other stuff and, and things like that. But like that was what we saw and that was what he exhibited and he mm-hmm. it, it, who else to be this idea of a grown-up peter pan um i absolutely love him in this role it's one of my favorite roles of uh of robin williams because again he's portraying a character that i i love so dearly yeah sarah what about you i know we've talked a little bit about your love for for robin williams and just kind mm-hmm. of like you see him as like a like a dad figure which i agree he does have that yeah. dad energy you know yeah um so, like, as I had a wonderful relationship with my dad, but he did travel with the Yankees and with sports a lot. So I feel like at times when I was a young kid, I saw Robin Williams as like a surrogate dad in a way because I loved all of his movies. And like Kevin's right, like he was had a, like a youthful charm to him. So I was always like, this is the funnest, like old guy in like existence (laughs) like he's like the coolest he's the funniest like between the aladdin and hook and mrs doubtfire Mm -hmm. and jumanji jack like poet society which they reference (laughs) (laughs) a good good morning vietnam which they also reference yeah yeah which is ridiculous yeah i mean these all these movies were staples even the five hour movie bicentennial man was a staple in my house um and I loved Robin Williams, and I talk a lot about how, like, if they, I have to choose, like, one death, um, celebrity death that's really affected me, like, everybody has one, um, but Robin Williams is my one. Like, I think about it, I still get sad, like, that was really heartbreaking. Um, I was watching that, I was even watching his, like, almost his last work, that terrible sitcom with him and Sarah Michelle Gellar. That's how much of a fan I was that I sat through that. So um, I just was a Robin Williams fan through and through. And Hook was probably my favorite Robin Williams movie Mm -hmm. as a kid. Um, How about you, Jess? I mean, I certainly, if Aladdin counts, like, that is the movie that I watched the most as a child. Um, I I love him in it. I actually, like, recently, I I really am uneducated in in the ways of film a lot of the time. There are a lot of movies I have not seen that a lot of people have. Uh, Like, Good Will Hunting, I saw for the first time this past year. Uh, And, like, he... There's something about him that it's, like, impossible to make him unlikable. Like, it's... He just exudes goodwill and like energy and just charisma out of every pore on his orifice like I just you can't not love him and so like Kevin was saying like he has the youthful energy to play both a Peter Pan but also like he's old enough to be Peter Banning who is you know this like workaholic lawyer who 
isn't really there for his children and his wife is frustrated with him. But like, but I still feel like even when he's messing up in the beginning, you're kind of like, no, but I know he's going to like pull it through. I know he's going to make me like him soon. Mm hmm. Uh, tell me how sorry Kevin but tell me how Bicentennial Man is actually only two hours and 12 minutes it's actually shorter than Hook when I swear on everything in existence that movie was legit three hours long because Hook moves Hook has stuff happening in it things are going on in Hook Bicentennial Man is like kind of a slow slow it's slow kind of a slow slow yeah. burn exactly I, uh, Robin Williams um, everything I, I have heard about him People sharing stories about him, the things he's done. Like, I'm a huge Superman fan, as many know. Um, when Christopher Reeve has his accident, Robin Williams paid for so much of his medical bills. They were very, very, very close friends. Um, there's so many stories you hear about him, about someone being sad in a restaurant, and he just comes over and starts doing his stuff to cheer them up. And you talk about, like, the celebrity death that has affected you. And, like, I, you know, I was in journalism for a long time, entertainment specifically, there is a story that I'll, I don't know if I'll share it here, but maybe I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys afterwards that is has stuck with me about Robin Williams that I got from someone else who told me about who, who knew him. Mm-hmm. And it was before his death that the story was told to me and his death happened shortly after. And the story has never left me. Um, I think about it constantly because it is one of those like, oh, my God, like once it happened and you think about the story. Mm-hmm. But like he's so great and so wonderful even beyond that. Um, and this role... I really, I, I just, I, I mean, I'm, I'm like praising this movie like crazy, but like, even what you're saying, Jess, about how he's acting at the beginning of this movie, I think is so great because some people, I think, might criticize the fact that he is, he's a, he's cartoonishly, uh, adult, right? Yeah. Like, there's so much about him that's over the top. He's overly cautious. He doesn't like flying. He's, he has no imagination anymore. It's all about work. That's all it is, right? He has no time for, for kids and fun. But I honestly think that that point of, a, of almost a cartoonish adult is absolutely on purpose because that is the version of an adult that Peter Pan specifically would be terrified of becoming. If Peter Pan had to imagine what an adult was, that's it. Because that's to him the most horrifying thing an adult can be. So if Peter Pan ever imagined himself growing up and what an adult should be like, it's this cartoon of an adult. And I think like that's such a subtle thing that makes this movie work so so well because it is I think very purposeful for the themes of the character and his evolution as as 20 years later basically or I guess for him it's like 30 years later since Ron Williams mm-hmm. is much older. Right. And that's some of the critique that I saw online that like oh he is just like this like stodgy like old guy that works too hard and like is glued to his phone and doesn't pay attention to his kids and I think that's like a great like thought to think deeper and see like that would be Peter Pan's biggest fear of like somebody that's not able to have fun Mm -hmm. and play yeah this is what adults are supposed to be like right that's what Peter would think yes and I think not only that but I do think like in the 90s especially, I feel like there were so many movies that had that trope of, like, the overworked father who wasn't there for their kids. Uh, and then by the end of the movie, they somehow turn it around and they become, like, the perfect father. Like, I'm thinking Jingle All the Way, which we also covered. Like, very <laughs> similar kind of trope. And honestly, like, I don't mind it. Um, the one thing I would say that, like, I felt like if I was 
if I was missing anything from the movie, and I know this isn't really the whole point of the movie, but I do feel like we're a little underserved with like Moira specifically. Like I do kind of, and maybe that's something that it's like they were thinking about for a separate movie, right? Of like their their love and their journey together. But it's kind of like, okay, he sees, he sees Moira at the end. They're 13 years old. He sees Moira. And that's the moment that like snap, poof, he's done in Never Never Land. He's going to stay here forever with Moira. But like we don't, really know why like we don't really know who Moira is I guess it would be my main complaint it's just like who who exactly is Moira like we know the kids decently well we know Jack more than we know uh, Maggie but like we don't really know Moira all that well yeah and I think that is a fair critique right like you don't get that deep into Moira or the character it is a little difficult to do it with <clears throat> like a Peter Pan story without almost <clears throat> re-threading and going into odd territory because like you have the peter and wendy situation and you have the idea of wendy as a mother and now this is a person that around the same age he's going like i do feel like the avoidance was just like how do we deal with this but i also Mm -hmm. think he got into moira because theoretically age-wise boy just hit puberty so (laughs) like (laughs) because like as we like oddly saw i'm not too sure what the rules they were playing with here but peter somewhat ages um, throughout the film from when he first goes to Neverland to when right. he shows up here. Uh, so mm-hmm. I do think, like, at that point, he was it was about that time that Peter Pan yeah. was hitting puberty, and he saw Moira and was just like, oh, wait now. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, like, oh, it's, not, it's not Wendy in her prime, yeah. but good enough. She looks, she looks enough like her. Um, yeah. 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 What, what do you think is the um, aging mechanics in Neverland? It's... I don't know, because, like, that's that's one of those things, like, again, I, I, I love this mythos, and I've, I've read so much about it. Like, my favorite vampire mm-hmm. movies are Lost Boys, for very obvious reasons, because of a deep connection here. <laughs> um, but it's so odd, because they never really address aging in uh, the books or in, in the myth, really. Right. Um, but there are stories that, is, I think, even in the original, like, that scene where they show the flashback of him in his baby carriage, like, mm-hmm. running away, is from the original stories. So, like, there's levels where it's just like, wait, was Peter Pan straight up like an infant? Like a baby baby? Um, And so, like, there's all those, like, weird parts of, like, they never really touch on because it is, like, the kid's book, right? It is, like, Peter and Wendy's Mm -hmm. collection of stories. It's like the Wizard of Oz stuff. They don't delve into those parts of it. <laughs> and yeah. really just they're like just build. just ignore that part of it and like let's yeah. pretend because that's the thing I was wondering I was wondering that because he calls it running away but really his carriage just kind of like rolls off and he somehow ends up on the ground well um, he says that was intentional yeah. he's like yeah. I ran away I did yeah push my pram I was wondering if like All the way it was something to do with if you are if you are created in Never Never Land, like you don't age, but because he was like a human who was brought there, like he still aged maybe just slower or something. Like maybe he ages I but thought just a that, lot slower. I thought all the lost boys were human that got yes. lost, literally lost, and then got swept up, I don't know, mm. by fairies or something and plopped down. So say like, you know, like Rufio might have been like a little bit older when he got lost. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the small, like, little curly-haired boy uh, that, like, has to take care of, like, the the bugs, mm-hmm. um, he was very young. But it still doesn't make sense how Peter showed up and he was a baby, unless it's, like, every hundred years you age a year and everyone's just super old. I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like there. I well, think that... 
time differential, right? Because, right. like, mm-hmm. as we're getting, like, really weird into it now, you have the instance that, like, Peter spent three days in Neverland, but when he returned, it's only been a night. Because um, mm. Moira mm-hmm. was just asleep, you know, waiting for the kids. It was right. only that one night. That was it. So time works very differently. So part of me thinks, like, maybe when he does leave Neverland to come here and do his shenanigans, he ages oddly because it's, like, catching up to him, maybe. Okay, I like that theory. Because that's the other thing, too, is, right, like, I feel like Peter visits, the whole point is, like, Peter visits Wendy um, a decent amount, and then one time he shows up and she's, like, way older than he thought she would be. So it, it could be just, like, a weird aging process as well. And we don't know if, like, this is, if London is, like, the only place he's visiting, right? Like, theoretically, he could go other places. He's bored. He wants to go explore. Yeah, um, he's an explorer. That's possible. what he does. It's right. also really interesting because, um, so the Lost Boys, right? Like several things about uh, the mythos and then in this movie too that I really like is that the original idea of Peter Pan and Peter and Wendy, the idea of the Lost Boys and Peter is actually about children who die and that Neverland is a place that they go. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of that that plays into it about like Pe- Pe- Peter dies a baby and like that's those are all, par- all the little parts of it. But what I like about this movie and what they did is that the Lost Boys are all dressed uh, most of them are dressed differently because it's dependent on the time period that they came from. Mm-hmm. So you have people who are huh. dressed in like the 1890s. You have kids who are dressed who are like the 1920s. You have Rufio who feels a lot more modern day. So yeah, Rufio can sk- like doesn't he skateboard? He does. He's definitely a modern. There were a few yeah. of them who skateboarded. Yeah. The one gripe I'd have about their costuming though is specifically with Rufio. I felt like it was kind of an odd choice and maybe this is something Kevin you would know from like the books or something but to have Rufio wearing like his prime colors being red and black that is exactly the same coloring that Captain Hook wears I feel like usually movies make an effort like we see Peter Pan in green right green is good green is great it's beautiful it's nice it's the good side and then red is you know the evil side so to see Rufio in red and black when Captain Hook also wears red and black I was like that's that's an interesting choice to make. It is interesting, and I think, like, there's ways to play around it, because when when Peter shows up, Rufio, until a certain point, is technically an antagonist to him, right? Right. And you have Rufio, who is, amongst them, the oldest of the Lost Boys. So you have this element of he's on a kid who's on the cusp of becoming an adult, and becoming an adult Mm -hmm. in Neverland means becoming a villain, becoming a bad guy. So you have this element where it's like he's almost there but not quite, so it could be another purposeful, like, thing because he's supposed to be an antagonist until he becomes Peter, and, like, obviously the certain stylings of his hair, the shock red is a little more extreme, but Peter, when you see him as younger, has a little, like, light brown, almost reddish hair. I think there's elements, like, he wasn't going to wear the green like Peter because he wants mm-hmm. to separate himself a bit. But I think there's a little bit there that was kind of purposeful. But also, like, if he's from the 80s and 90s, like, the late 80s, like, black and red was what was in, right? Like, that's how you know you're punk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he definitely looked like a punk, for sure. Like, mm-hmm. the the earring and, like, the outfit was very cool. Like, obviously, Rufio had, like, the most style of all of the Lost Boys. Um, but, yeah, like, the Lost Boys themselves were actually super interesting. Um, one of my favorite parts, I think, were, were the Lost Boys scenes, just because they're so much fun. Um, and I think that's, like, the energy you're supposed to get from it, right? Is that, like, always a kid mentality. Um, I really like, is it Thud? Is that his name? The, like, the chunkier kid who yeah. ends up getting in charge? Loved him. Um, loved the little kid who I think sat next to Peter in the food fight when they're, like, doing the imaginary food. Um, that was very cute. Sarah, did you ever do, like, imaginary tea parties and, like, imaginary, like, eating of food at a table like they do in Peter Pan? 
Uh, probably. I definitely had an Amer- imaginary friend, and we probably had uh, <laughs> had tea parties. He was um, a tiger named Jumpy. So <laughs> a tiger named Jumpy. Very he wasn't nice. a yeah, human. Sh- That's interesting. Yeah, shout out to you, Jumpy. <laughs> You've always been a good friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> haven't talked to you in a while this is gonna lead into drop dead fred as another movie you guys are gonna do <laughs> <laughs> so question for you kevin because you probably know better than us toodles who yes. is the older man who's like look he's lost his marbles also mm-hmm. loved that he is a lost boy right who eventually like comes back with with wendy Correct. So Toodles is one of the OG Lost Boys. Uh, it's like Toodles, Nibs, the twins, the twins that we see actually here mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in a form. Um, and then Wendy, John, and Michael. And like there's references. And again, the references are so much in this movie. I could like go on and on. But like you see the reference to John and Michael both where you see John's top hat and glasses and you see Michael's teddy bear in the house and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So he was one of the original Lost Boys. And the, 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 the way that they seem to be establishing it is that at one point Toodles did come back with her. Um, and like, you know, uh, and stayed here, uh, certainly John and Michael probably did as well because they are from here, but like the twins clearly stayed, you know, um, which I find very interesting as like mm-hmm. part of the lore here that they're mm-hmm. building. Yeah. Did you, did you read then like a first write up of the movie hook that, uh, Wendy and Toodles were supposed to be like an item? Isn't that kind of creepy? <laughs> I did read that. It's like, mm, I don't know how this going to work out, but thank you. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of weird that, like, Wendy would be with any of the Lost Boys if she wasn't with Peter. You know, it's just kind of hard to imagine that being true. You could see, like, her getting married and having kids like she obviously does if Peter, like, doesn't show up for, like, 20 years. You know, she can't wait around forever. Yeah. Um, but we also, we have not mentioned who plays Wendy, uh, Dame Maggie Smith. Like, oh, I love her so much. She's and so I, good. She, like, they had to obviously put on a decent amount of, like, makeup and everything to She was her. only 56. They yeah. made her nine. This movie That's is why wild. Maggie Smith is perpetually old in my head. Because in yeah. my head, this was Maggie Smith in the 90s. She did not actually look like this. She was only which 56. Is, yeah, which is kind of crazy because they did such a good job with that makeup is that she actually looks she like. She aged into that. She looks like yeah, McGonagall. Like, <laughs> That's how she looks like, you know, nowadays. So which is kind of incredible because you always get like old age makeup and you're like, that's not how you're going to look when you're old. They they did for Maggie Smith. Yeah, she they really is still getting perfect, her in this, though. I, I think she's the perfect Wendy. Like she really does have that. She has that like serious demeanor, but like just like sorrow on her face throughout the whole movie of like. You can tell she doesn't want to push Peter, but she's also just like, you don't, you don't remember it though. Like you don't just think about it, Peter. Like you don't remember a time before you were 13 years old. Like, why don't you remember? Yeah. And he doesn't even seem that bothered by the fact that he completely lost his memory. Um, But she, you know, definitely has to try to remember him and he doesn't believe. I mean, it's really hard. It's not very believable to be told that you're Peter Pan, the boy from the <laughs> stories. It's like you're literally painted in my grandchild's like right, walls. Yeah. Like there you are. She's wild. She really does, I think, bring that energy that is appropriate for Wendy. But yeah, it is like this reluctance to like explore it. I think it just she just works so well as that character grown up, right? Like, especially mm-hmm. when you think about, like, 
what Wendy was like in the original stories and in the movie, there is this like older age quality that I think Maggie Smith just exudes being like an older British woman yes. um, that I think works so, so well that you're just like, yeah, that's like what Wendy would be like when, when she grows up. Um, and I just, yeah I, yeah, I really like it. I like her dynamic with Peter. There is a sorrow of like, of course, the history they have and that she had to leave long ago. The memory thing is really interesting because more fun facts about uh, Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. Um, this was something that I think in the original story they explored is that, and I actually bring up on my um, on my other podcast I do that we can talk about later about certain <laughs> vampires that don't age. Um, but the idea in the original book is that because Peter has to stay perpetually a child, Peter doesn't form long-term memories. He can't. Mm. Uh, so like he actually loses his memory sort of like constantly. Um, and there's a really, I think, tragic moment in the book uh, which I feel bad for telling you all this, but like later at one point in the future when he visits Wendy, Wendy asks, how's Tinkerbell? And he's just like, who? Because Tinkerbell passes away at a certain point. Oh, no. Because uh, she does age. She's a fairy, uh, yeah. And she's a fairy, and he doesn't remember her because he can't. Uh, and like he's completely forgotten the fact that like Tink is, was someone that he knew and was super close with because he to stay a child, he cannot establish memories like that and he yeah, certainly mm -hmm. cannot really delve too far into like death <laughs> so like there's those aspects of it that i think is really fascinating right and like the peter pan that we know like that we see in i don't know like the disney movie like would not be bothered that long about someone's death he'd be just like oh that's fine like you know right. like things happen which it's like you know, I Peter Pan himself as a child is pretty insufferable. Like, <laughs> you know, the literally probably the worst character. Oh, like, wow. I Personally drastically attacked. disagree. <laughs> no, because we haven't gotten into the character I find the most offensive. Not, no, 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 not of Hook. I just mean not of Hook. Oh, just I in mean, general. In like. In, like, the Disney movie, I mm -hmm. guess. It's like he's, like, a perpetual fuckboy. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> like, it's terrible. And he, like, doesn't care about anything. Yeah. No, like, you're right, because Wendy, I think, like, to counterbalance that, you almost need Wendy, right? Like, if her literal last name is Darling. Like, Wendy Darling. Like, she's very, like, prim and proper for her age. She acts like the mother hen of her, you know, of her siblings. Um, she is definitely, like, the caretaker. And I think that they do it because it's so completely opposite who Peter yeah. is, right? Um, yeah. But, yeah, well, you I also, think... Sorry, in, go ahead, Kevin. In the OG movie, right, or the OG, the, the, the Disney animated mm -hmm. movie, which I, I, I love that movie. Um, we did a Disney rewatch. And I'm just like, I still love this film. Because uh, it's like, it's such a weird adventure. But part of that movie is actually, because in there, it's not Peter's story. It's Wendy's story. Because Wendy right. in that movie is afraid of growing up. And so when you show up to Neverland, and it's like, this is the place of childhood, and it's bananas insane. Like, it's not as crazy as Wonderland, another one I really like, but it's it's crazy and peter is like this child and wendy mm -hmm. has to learn what it means to grow up and part of it is the idea of like you can still visit neverland every now and then and like there's a touch of childhood but not growing up means that do you want that and like so like that's so i think right. peter's supposed to be a little bit extreme because it's just like oh boy like that's what you're gonna be oh, forever yeah. if you make that choice everybody is like a little bit of a caricature right like i mean this is a, a children's story where yeah. it tends to be hyperbolic and in, in many ways um but but moving on from from those characters let's get it we, we mentioned her a little bit let's get into tinkerbell played by julia roberts 
Uh, Kevin, I know you have a little bit of backstory here. I read up on it. Apparently, she she got the name Tinker Hell based on yes. some of her actions on, on set. Apparently, she was like a big drama queen on set. She didn't film with anyone and just did green screen work. At one point, she ran away from production. To be fair, there was marriage stuff, and so she was mm-hmm. a literal runaway bride. Um, I actually... So this is the one complaint I do have about this movie. Mm-hmm. I think Julia Roberts is a big miscast. Um, and not even because of the behind-the-scenes stuff. I just don't think she's Tinkerbell at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. And I know she was, like, a huge name at the time, so that's probably why, why she's she, cast yeah. in this role. Yeah. But, like, but they have Tink- other huge names. They do. Um, Tinkerbell. Robin Williams. <laughs> right. <Come on. laughs> you could have you could have found some, you could have found maybe less, like, lesser known slash or nobody for this one. Like, But right. Tinkerbell has such a specific way about her especially when you look at the 1953 movie there's this like attitude that tinkerbell has constantly well one she doesn't talk and julia roberts talked a lot but that's fine they can change that for this um and i think in the original she does but um like having her uh like without that attitude almost like princess like she like not even like princess and like you know like oh she's a real like pain in the butt princess no like more like like girl next door energy yeah is what she exudes and like that was my issue i i so in the original like 50s disney uh peter pan tinkerbell drives me insane like she she yes she has the like sassy attitude but she also and and, again in this movie too like she seems like almost like homewrecker like she's very like mistress-esque in that she's always had a thing for peter she's never let it go she hated wendy i remember Mm-hmm. In the, she um, betrays them in, in the original. Yes. She betrays them to reveal to Hook where, where the um, the tree is located. Yes. And so I think you're right. I feel like Julia Roberts is a little bit too girl next door like to play the kind of attitude that Tinkerbell is supposed to have. Um, I don't know. And I don't know what Sarah, what do you also think of the choice of like having Tinkerbell be a redhead instead of you know, her signature blonde hair. No, she should have definitely been a blonde. Uh, mm-hmm. That is uh, one small gripe of many. Um, yeah, like for me, this version of Tinkerbell was kind of like a cheerleader. Like she was like, you can do it. Like, I believe in you, right. like making deals with Hook. But yeah, like what part of Tinkerbell's charm is the sass. Um, fun fact, like I really, the one Disney movie that, or Disney movies that I kind of enjoy into, Augusta like Tinkerbell my, series, is the Tinkerbell series. <laughs> I really like Tinkerbell and her stink- sisters. Yeah, I really like the stinking Tinkerbell series. I don't know why, but I really like it. And um, I forget who pl- I, who plays that voice actress. I think it might be the girl that plays the girl from Parenthood. Um. But nonetheless, I think that we like who would we recast? I've thought about this a long time, and I want to hear your answers because I do have. I'm gonna start off with maybe like a Reese Witherspoon. Would she she be too young? There is the question. Probably. I don't know how old Reese Witherspoon was in 1991. Um, she was probably let's see, because she did Cruel Intentions in the 90s, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. she wasn't that young. 98, I think, right? Cruel Intentions. Let's see. Yeah, because I could think of someone like a modern day equivalent of who right. I would think. But, but the, it's hard the hard part the is 90s. coming up with the 90s thing. Because I was thinking like even if like uh, this may be a bit out there. But what about like Anna Kendrick as like with like a with, like blonde? Ugh. You don't think so? 
I, I don't like Anna Kendrick. She gives bad vibes. I love Anna Kendrick, but I agree that I don't know she's right for this. Modern day, the one that I think is like spot on, mm-hmm. like physically nails it and is also, I think, can pull off the attitude is Rose McIver, who is in iZombie. She's also in that uh, that princess <gasps> yes. movie. The, I, the, 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 oh, the, the pr- prince. The holiday one. Christmas holiday prince. prince. Yes. Is that uh, it? She's also I, oh, I that. watched those. They're horrible. I did. They're terrible, watch them. but I watched all of them. <laughs> yeah. um, she is the. She is a look. Yeah, um, she fits like the a look. Sabrina Carpenter. Is could be has a look. Yeah, she's Sabrina super Carpenter. young now though. Um, so Reese Witherspoon was fifteen. Um, it's a little young. I could see it working though. Like I could see doing a teen Tinkerbell. The only problem would be you have to really cut Williams. the romantic situation out of there, which. Again, I wouldn't mind if they cut the room. I I wish Tinkerbell, and I know that's the whole story, is that Tinkerbell loves Peter. But, like, I almost wish she was, like, a snarky cheerleader versus in love with Peter. Especially, like, when she becomes, like, big and she's a princess and then she kisses him and it's, like, this whole thing. That part's so weird. It is. It's weird and I don't like it. Same. Uh... The one person I think for the for the time period and the age that could line up that that my fiance and I have talked about this for a bit uh, is Meg Ryan. I think would be a good yeah. fit. I think oh. she has the attitude. She's the right age, and I think she could pull off Tinkerbell. There we go. Right, she has the perfect hair for mm-hmm. it in some of the movies we've talked about. Sarah. We like Meg Ryan. Hair. Yeah, we've covered yeah. a few of her movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see that when working. Harry met Sally on the PSR Phenomenal Discord, so and good. you've got mail on our also uh, in a different way. Mm-hmm. It's not good. <laughs> Definitely not as good, but I don't like that um, one. so that I think that's actually probably the closest um good good uh yeah i could switch over her i just think i think we've kind of yeah pointed out the problems with julia roberts it just doesn't it didn't feel like she was vibing with the role right like and i think or the cast from what we understood well that's the thing too is i have like i I mean obviously they had to do a lot of green screen stuff because Mm -hmm. she's small so like was it a matter of like her not wanting to be around other people or was it a matter of like she couldn't because with a green screen i mean i don't know what i don't know the ins and outs of acting like do you usually do that alone um, so that they can make you smaller, you know. It depends. Um, it depends on like how like shoot, like production and shooting schedule and when they're mm-hmm. capturing that. They can capture that on set pretty mm-hmm. easily with everyone. You just have a green screen yeah. set up essentially to the side of the set, and you film those moments there, okay. uh, and still have her interact like you know through yeah. that because i think stuff. there's a lot you miss right like you don't get the like camaraderie and the culture and kind of like the like good vibes of like hanging out with those people so i i just feel like there was a disconnect because she probably wasn't around any of those people um it just didn't feel i don't know i definitely i definitely yeah. would recast her spielberg said that he would never work with her again how dramatic and like can you imagine if that's still the case like all these years later like darn you julia roberts especially steven spielberg it's not like he's a nobody (laughs) i know and she's like you know and it's not like she's known to be a diva it's not like you know julia roberts is like a um Catherine Heigl it's like oh, oh we know that she's a problem her. it's like you know like uh, Julia Roberts is essentially America's sweetheart or one of America's sweethearts right. so it's kind of wild that she had like this diva um, reputation back in the was, early 90s knowing that it was like partially part of like the whole marriage issue and stuff like that it could have just been she's apparently through, like, she had a really time. bad yeah, sorry. Apparently, she had a really bad case of the flu that put her in the hospital around that time. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. Yeah. I tried to watch Runaway Bride the other day and they took it off Netflix. So I was kind of pissed. <laughs> oh, yes. Speaking of, we should have mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast. This movie is on Netflix and it's leaving at the end of July. This <gasps> keeps happening to us, Sarah. We're like, we pick movies that We're are the like. Curse. What are you guys doing? <laughs> curse these movies. We're the curse. But go watch what it. What was the other movie? Uh, it was. It was, uh, I don't know, it was something a couple months ago. Was it Land Before Time that they were taking Maybe. off? Maybe. Yeah, whenever we were like, okay, we're going to cover this movie, they take it off of Netflix or yes. platforms. So go watch yeah. it if you if you haven't already. Um, before Our bad. Uh, but um, moving on to Dustin the next. Dustin Hoffman? <laughs> yes, Dustin Hoffman. Huge name, massive name. Uh, it was funny because I, as soon as he came on screen, I said to my husband, "Oh, do you do you recognize him?" And it took him, and he's like, "I had to look it up because the eyebrows and the mustache and the hair—it's like so much." And the teeth. And the teeth. The teeth <laughs> the are teeth. bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Sarah, what did you think of uh, Dustin Hoffman as the Captain Hook? The craziest thing is always I've always been like I love Dustin Hoffman and I don't know why because I remember in high school it was like this whole thing about like we hate Dustin Hoffman because in school they made us watch Death of a Salesman so like all of my friends hated Dustin Hoffman because they didn't want to watch (laughs) yeah they didn't want to watch Death of a Salesman Um, but I was like no like David um, David um Dustin Hoffman's great, but like literally looking at his filmography, I don't know if I've seen like any other Dustin Hoffman films. Seen so many He's, movies. I don't know. Meet the Fockers. There we go. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the Graduate. Like, that's a classic. I was gonna say the Graduate. <laughs> I, I have graduate, seen. Yeah. I've seen the Graduate, and then obviously I also have seen Meet the Fockers because duh. Um, yeah, like he's he's so funny in Meet the Fockers that like I feel like you kind of, I kind of think of him in that way, but like I feel like most of his roles are actually on the more Dramatic. serious side. Yeah. yeah. Um but like just the scene like the facial expressions he has as Hook and the I mean the makeup hair and makeup is so perfect and like especially the mustache like twitching with the clock ticking. He he plays this mm-hmm. role so well of like oh, yeah. this like you hate him, but like you love to hate him. <laughs> He's so good. Uh, Go ahead, Sarah. Sorry. I mean, I don't even hate him in this movie. Like, I kind of love the manipulation tactic of, like, I'm going to (laughs) befriend his children and make his children love me. And that's how I'm going to get back at Peter Pan. Like, I thought that was, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was Smee's idea, but I thought it was, like, a genius idea. Mm -hmm. I love that. Like, I didn't really hate. It's like part of me is like, yeah, Jack, like be mad, like become a pirate with your little pirate costume. Go off. It's I. OK, just all the hook stuff, even aside from Dustin Hoffman to talk about first, I love they do such a good job. You don't see him for a while when they come home and you see the hook dragged from the door all the way across. Like it's that's such great visual elements that I really liked. The costuming is fantastic, but Dustin Hoffman absolutely, I think, brings a level to this role that, especially watching it again now, like, with, with a different lens on, like, I've, I've seen this movie so many times, like, I literally thought, like, do I have to watch it again? I can literally recite it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, and there was elements to this performance that I really love, and that's, the big thing is that the comedy in him is really great, but I love Hook as this exhausted, over it done with this nonsense kind of guy because like you have the moments like at the very beginning where Smee's gonna shoot Tinkerbell and the guns pointed at him and he's just like 
this almost just like ugh expression just like turns the gun to point <laughs> to Smee and then just goes to keep talking. Of course, the exchange of just like I'm gonna do it this time, Smee. And he's like, "Don't try and stop me." I remember that forever. That's been with yeah. me since I was a kid. Um, yeah, that's one of my favorite, um, my favorite uh, scenes as well. It's just it's, like so fun. It's like I'm gonna do it, Smee. Don't try to stop me. And then he like try turns and around, me, like Smee. try to stop me, Smee. <laughs> Come over here, Smee. What yeah. are you doing? And he actually pulls the trigger, which is crazy. But Especially for a kid's film also. Right, but like that's the thing. And I think this is the key thing about Hook. And what I, I really noticed this time is that the exhaustion over it, even when the Lost Boys are doing their stuff at the end, he has this like stupefied expression of just kind of like, what is what is even going on? Mm-hmm. Because I do think he's over it. I do think Hook isn't his entire sense of being. The fear of Hook as a, as a character is death, right? The tick-tock to clock is the ticking clock of death. Like, that mm-hmm. is what his fear is because he is an adult and he's marching towards that and he hates Peter because Peter is a kid that he can't be anymore. Um, but what I really love is that, you know, I mean, if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you know all, you've seen this movie because spoiler, big spoiler about to come. But I think about the fact of the Rufio moment and how important that moment is because when you look at all the other pirates, even Smee, when you look at all the kids and stuff, they're all so over the top and silly and kind of dumb. But Hook has been different the entire film. We've seen him act differently. We've seen him be like just disliking almost the rest of them. Mm-hmm. But he had to kill Rufio because there is mm-hmm. that moment of just like Hook is not like the rest of them. He's not a silly pirate. He's not someone that you're just going to like goof around with and like shine a light on your face. He will kill a child. He will straight up do yeah. that. And I think it's really important to establish like, oh, James Hook is not like the rest of the people in Neverland. And so like that makes the threat too of just like, I will keep coming for you, your children and your children's children and everyone. I'm not going to stop. And you're just like, he won't. Like this is who this guy is. So I think it's a really powerful moment that actually – through Dustin Hoffman's, Dustin Hoffman's performance and through that element that really separates Hook from everything else that's been going on and really stands him out as like, ooh, this is a villain. Yeah, and I think the be- one of the best parts about him too is that like, yes, he's this massive villain and he's he's cold-blooded, like out for blood, children's blood. Like he will attack, you know, Peter's poor children who have nothing to do with any of this just to get his revenge for, you know, Peter chopping off his hand and feeding it to a crocodile. Um, but somebody I give think... me a hand. I already <laughs> have. <laughs> but I think one of the like best parts about this and one of the other like really great actors, Bob Hoskins in this as Smee is the relationship between hook and Smee is so perfect. Like you, I feel like, it's so easy to like Hook because he has that relationship with me and because they bounce off of one another so well. And like, let's face it, in the modern age, Smee and Hook are together. They are like two weird lovers, man. Like they are like in a really dysfunctional marriage. And I love it so much. Like, I think that... I mean, Smee is certainly more cartoony in the in the cartoon, obviously. Like, he's definitely more, like, of a bumbling idiot, I felt like, in the cartoon versus this film. He still has those, you know, qualities. But, like, I just think that the, you have Captain Hook, who's so serious about, like, what he's doing and what his mission is. And then Smee, who's kind of just, like, a little bit more dopey. And the two of them together, Sarah, it just, like, fills my heart with joy seeing them... <laughs> Yeah, these two are very codependent, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that Smee comes up with, like, 
He I obviously idolizes Captain Hook, yeah. but he comes up with like all of Captain Hook's good ideas. Um, you know, Hook is very like exasperated by everything that Smee does, but also he like needs me as his left hand, really. So I, I think that it's like a very funny dynamic. And I think some of my favorite scenes is like when like Hook is just like so over it and so like, oh, and like Smee and is just like, you know, running in circles. Essentially, I like the scene <laughs> where it's like, you know, Smee, like go get Smee or like do, do something. And he like goes in and he's like, I'm Smee, like Smee, Smee, I'm Smee. Like, it's always like so funny. Um yeah, and I don't know how Smee's gonna be without uh, Hook. Oh, yeah. Like, well, he got I don't he know got the f out of Neverland apparently, and <laughs> yeah. never come back. Um, Kevin, are you a fan of Finding Neverland? So, uh, I was gonna bring this up. I have not watched Finding Neverland mainly because, like, as much as I love the Peter Pan stuff, I don't re- like watch a lot of movies that are just like the origin of because I feel like they always go a little too deep into like this is how this was a reference to this and like like mm-hmm. they did the same thing with like Tolkien I think mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. I never watched it but I do know in a weird of the two people in this movie who have leapt into other Peter Pan related material is that Dustin Hoffman isn't finding Neverland apparently right and yeah. then Bob Hoskins reprises his role as Smee in apparently mm-hmm. Neverland a different movie which is <laughs> and amazing. another movie called Neverland yes I love yeah. Bob Hoskins. So yeah, much. I I definitely saw um Finding Neverland because um I was really into Johnny Depp when I was a teenager. Don't get on me, but that's what we did in the aughts. True. In the aughts. I was also true? a huge yeah. fan of Johnny Depp yeah. for a long time. Yeah, so that that was kind of our vibe. So um I watched Finding Neverland, also a Broadway play that I have seen. Um, so that was an experience. And yeah, Dustin Hoffman was good in that. That was probably the other Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> Only uh, Peter Pan related Dustin Hoffman content <laughs> for me, evidently. Uh, I th- th- I love that read, Jess, of, of Smee and Hook, because I think it works so well for them. Yeah. And I, 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 like, Bob Hoskins just brings this energy to this role that's so really, really great. And I love him as an actor. Like, he's in several, like, this movie, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, is in my, like, top three films of all time. Uh, like, he's and Mario Brothers I enjoy for other reasons entirely. <laughs> but, like, I really love him as an actor. And what he does in this role, I think, is really, really great. And Smee is just such an interesting character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just also, shout out to Disney as a whole. Because I remember a day... Uh, my fiance and I and a few others, we did Disney bounding. So that's when you dress in normal clothes, but clearly are representative of a Disney character. And my okay. fiance did Smee, which is so difficult to just do as a look hmm. as normal. But like literally the Disney person was just like, oh, Smee. And I was just like, oh my God, they are professionals. <laughs> like, oh yeah. They will recognize you no matter what. <laughs> that's really cool. That's really, really cool. Um, some other, did you guys catch a young Gwyneth Paltrow? Oh, yes. In this yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, she plays, she plays a young, um, a young Wendy, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's like teen, teen Wendy, I guess. She's, she's super young Wendy, uh, as like when they're go when she gets older from like the child, it's like the, young, the, the Maggie Smith before. And it was so crazy because I noticed it like the last time I watched it before this, cause I, I didn't realize it before. And then I was just like, is that Gwyneth Paltrow? It's so, so weird. weird. Yeah. Her like, does she remember that she was in, in this? <laughs> no, she doesn't remember. No, I don't even think when, isn't it like a thing where she was like 
talking about like, it was like shallow oh, Hal. I think that she didn't remember no, no, being no. in. It was Spider Man. No, no, no. It was Spider Man. Yeah, that's that's what John I was gonna Favreau. say. Somebody was saying like, oh, like you were in like Spider Man, and she's like, I wasn't in Spider Man. It's like yes, it was John Favreau. Were. They were doing it for his cooking show, and he's just like, no, you were there. You and I were on set together. <laughs> God, it's so funny. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're Gwyneth Paltrow and you're on the goop and you've been doing so many movies all this time, there's, I guarantee she does not remember oh that she gosh. was in Hook. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, she was a uh, teen, teen Wendy. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And then to round out the cast, we have uh, Jack, who's played by Charlie Corsmo. Uh, and Maggie yeah. Amber Scott. I don't recognize Amber Scott. I I recognize um I recognize Charlie Corsmo. He looks very familiar to me. He kind of he has like in- what's his face vibes. Like who's the new the you new young hot kid that like girls are obsessed with? The teen- uh, Timothy Chalamet. That's the one. Timothy Chalamet. I don't know if that kid looks like Timothy Chalamet. No, he even, just gives me the vibes. I'm not even into Timothy Chalamet, and I'm just like, I don't know about that. <laughs> he was in that kid. Jack was in uh, Can't Hardly Wait, which is mm. Chappelle's favorite movie. Yes, yeah, shout movie. out to Chappelle. Yeah, <laughs> a great solid, 90s solid movie. movie. I think he like dropped off acting though, because I think he like became a lawyer or something. I think I remember mm. reading that. Yeah, uh, wild. I, don't, I don't think Amber Scott has done much af- as well. No, um, no. And they're they're both fine. They they serve a specific purpose in this movie, and I think mm-hmm. what their characters do obviously serve a purpose uh, into it. The the stuff with Jack and and Hook I think makes sense. I think Sarah, you said it. Jack should have all right to be mad at his dad because of the way that his dad has acted. You know, um, yeah, he time. doesn't show up to the baseball game. I mean, he was being a little bit of a whiny bee throughout it about the baseball game. It's like it's okay, like it's fine that he didn't make the baseball game. But, I mean, in other news, he did make the play. So that is, I mean, if you're comparing, like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's like, well, I mean, he had time to go to your sister's play. Um, I love the the gripes that when they're destroying all the clocks or whatever, and uh, Hook gives Mm -hmm. Jack like a mallet to to destroy the pocket watch that um, that his father gave him. Uh, I love the, it's like the first thing he has a problem with on his list of gripes. Um, isn't that, oh, it's not that you're not there, you know, you break your promises, you don't show up to my baseball game. The very first thing he lists is he never lets me blow bubbles in my chocolate milk. <laughs> that's the thing, that's the first thing that comes to his mind. I'm like, this kid, man, sort out your priorities. Well, he yeah. is, as he points out, though, I am a child. <laughs> like, he is a child. This is a young kid. It just, it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm just a kid. Just a kid. Just want to blow bubbles. 
just want to throw baseballs at the oxygen masks. I would have murdered that kid if I was on a plane with him. The baseball in the ceiling, like, come on. Obnoxious. Obnoxious. (laughs) Like, no. That that part was very much just like, I'm going to be a mean adult here. Like, no, no, thank you. Don't do not do that. Yeah. You are, we are in public. You are embarrassing us. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that Amber Scott took up singing in her adult life? <laughs> I mean, that song is great, though. <laughs> Apparently, there was a lot more music in this movie originally. Yeah, I heard that. I actually really liked the uh, the Lost Boys song. The Then they're trying to get him to like work out because they're like, oh, my God, <laughs> Peter Pan is so old and fat now. Like, Robin Williams is not fat. Like, come on. Um, I think that they... Um, actually in the beginning of the movie put that patted him because uh there was a lot of progress in three days so yeah. i think that they like put like a little pillow under his his shirt <laughs> yeah, once actually. he's in the tights again he's, he yeah. definitely does not look as paunchy and, and i also and run down. i really like the the stylistic changes with the outfit of peter pan because normally the traditional peter pan outfit you know is kind of like a shirt with like rips and tears at the bottom and there's like it's like belted and then obviously the tights but i really like how they made it into like shorts instead mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. robin williams i thought that was like a really cute uh like more like grown up look i guess and probably also you don't have to wear a dress with tights i love that because like the, the outfit is, is an update his hair also changes back to how it used to be where it's more bushy and his ears actually uh, yeah. a small fact his ears are pointed um when he's peter pan his ears do change into um the pointed style yeah um like like fairy uh because he's in neverland now he's back to peter you know who is i think different mm-hmm. um i will say there is a cast member you did forget oh who uh, did i forget you forgot rufio Dante <gasps> Vasco, who not only is Rufio iconic, but Dante Vasco is also the voice of Zuko in Avatar The Last yes. Airbender and is amazing. <laughs> Will had said that to me and I was like, oh, wow. Like, I wouldn't have known if he didn't tell me. But like after he said it, I could definitely hear it. Zuko is like the, in my opinion, the character of Avatar. Like oh, he is my favorite by He's far. Same. Same. <laughs> yeah. Zuko is the best. And Rufio was actually really good. Obviously, the first time I saw him, I'm like, this kid, he's quite the asshole. Like, he's just like. <laughs> I just, I remember Rufio as a kid, and it was like, Rufio is so cool. Like, my yeah. friends and I chanting Rufio. I remember in high school or in college, my friend Paul dressed as Rufio, and he'd like hair and everything. He cool. looked awesome. Like, it's just such an iconic character and look for, again, like, I think people of our age group. Yeah. This guy has not stopped working since 1991. He also did not age for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> he 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 has done more things than I can ever imagine. His uh, IMDb is popping off. I thought that he was in the news not too long ago. I can't recall for what. Um, There's a photo of him online. Uh, It says, the Lost Boys of Hook reunite 25 years later. And Rufio is literally wearing the costume. (laughs) Or he's wearing the costume of Rufio. And then And he looks so good. Like, this outfit. Something about, like I said, the one gripe I would have is that the coloration is very similar to, to that of Captain Hook. But... The hair is so iconic, and I, I love, I think it's in the fight scene at the end, that he has, like, the bone, yes. like, armor. Like, iconic, very cool, very just, like, warrior-esque. Um, I love that about him. I love that, like, he has this, like, defensive personality as soon as Hook comes in, or, excuse me, uh, Peter Pan comes in, and he's just like, um, like, I'm in control of these boys now. Like, who do you think you are? Like, you you left. You up and left. 
And now this is like my zone. This is my territory. I do like he just full comes around though. Like once he's back as Peter and he can fly, it's just, he shows up and it's just like, you can fly, you can fight, you can crow. And like, I love it that he's just like, all right, we're on board. Let's do this. Yeah. And so I was really excited about that. Uh, obviously the chance of Rufio is so well known for the Lost Boys, but then Hook taunts him with it at the end. Man, Hook is such a dick. <laughs> he is. Oh, and the Sarah, tell me you loved the makeup of like the it had like he had like the black eyeshadow, but it like went down like the bridge of his nose. Like mm-hmm. it really reminded me of like kind of like warrior paint. You know what I mean? When oh, yeah. In that final battle. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. The final battle when everyone's getting suited up and has their special gadgets like that was the best. Like the little egg thrower. Yeah. Um, that was like so shooter. good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I loved all the like the little like nuanced gadgets that they had mm-hmm. for fighting because you know they don't fight with like little swords or whatever they have to be creative they're they're kids right i think it was the one kid had like the thing that shot different color he had like yeah. it was almost like a water yeah. gun but it shot like different colors of liquids um, yeah that was fun too yeah yeah they they love their paints mm-hmm. in the lost boys <laughs> yeah um I yeah, the training scenes were always a favorite. Um, of course, you know the dinner scene. I feel like is one of the most iconic moments yeah. of the entire movie. Like definitely the most memorable. Where you know it's steaming pots are coming out to the table, only to be opened where there is nothing there and. Robin Williams as Peter Banning. It's just like, what the heck? Like, there's no food. Um, and you have to use your imagination for food. And only when the food fight starts is when he can see the food. He still never got the food. That's the one concerning thing. Well, it's hard to press if you actually even need to fully eat in Neverland at, mm-hmm. at a certain point. What's really interesting uh, for like a storytelling thing, um, you know, the halfway point in the story is where your character is supposed to start his his change. It's where the flip is supposed to occur in the character journey. This scene is literally halfway into this film. <laughs> Him throwing the, the food into Ropio's face is almost exactly the halfway mark. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's one of those crazy things when I was looking at it. I paused it, and I was just like, that's insane. Like, they timed it to the fact that the moment he starts believing for the first time is the halfway point, because that's where the character has to start turning and I think it works so well he's insulting Rufio and they're just that, he's doing really badly and then finally yes. leans into the nonsense kid stuff I love the you the a- different um insults like nearsighted gynecologist <laughs> uh in your face camel cake in your rear cow derriere was that lolly is lolly back <laughs> that is a, that's the best part it's just like the the back and forth between these two is just so you much fun. Bang or ring. Fourth bang grade. Ring. Yeah. Fourth grade reading level. Maybe a fifth grade reading <laughs> level. <laughs> yeah. That scene is great, especially when you actually do get to finally see the food and it's so colorful. I would say like that scene for me was probably one of my favorites. And then, of course, the scene where Peter finds like the little hideaway. Yes. Um, And he like in order to turn back into Peter Pan, he needs to think of like a happy memory in order to fly. Um, and he thinks of his son being born. And of course that is like the epiphany that he needs um, because he's starting. I, I actually really like the, the part in the movie too, where he's like, he's losing the Peter Banning part of him. Like he's so into Peter Pan now that he kind of forgets like why he's even here in the first place. That's how um, Neverland has to work. Yeah. It's so good. 
That's great. crazy. I, I, yeah. I really love that tree scene so much. And it's also, you know, again, like the references, the references are everywhere. Like you see a different pair of John's glasses there mm-hmm. um, because like they kept going back and forth. And I loved because like in the we referenced the 1953 film, like, yeah, Tinkerbell gives up the location of that. And of course, with Hook knowing where it is, of course, he's just going to burn it down. Like mm-hmm. that is absolutely what Hook would do. So I really like those little those little points of it. I like that. Yeah. His happy memory is the moment that he he grow like Peter Pan truly grows up and has a kid of his own is like what his happy memory is to, to realize like being an adult doesn't mean that it's over. You know, I think mm-hmm. that these shared experiences that you could have with, the, with, with his kid uh, and, his, and his daughter. Like, I think all of that works really well um, into, you know, arc of the story. And like, yeah, the, there's like so many scenes, obviously that I remember vividly from the Rufio moment, the, the Captain Hook, one I mentioned where he's going to shoot himself is mm-hmm. vivid. The other one that I quoted so much as a kid is after he's Peter, the fight, the fight is happening. And it's when he leaves Rufio to fight Hook, uh, he goes into that window and a pirate pulls out his sword and sees him and is just like, wait, aren't you? And he's like, Peter Pan. And the pirate just jumps. jumps. And I'm like, right call, though. Like, if you're that pirate, you're like, no, no out, not doing this. Yeah. Uh, which is like the first time I've seen that gimmick in a movie uh, was when I was a kid. And I just adore it. I adore it so much. The one thing that I will say is like, I feel like I read that a critic had said something about this is that like the it's kind of overwhelming when you first get into Neverland in the scenery between the pirate ship and what's around it. It's kind of visually a lot to take in. It but- should be, though. Of it's course. Neverland. It should be too much. It should be a lot. <laughs> and like, and when they're there, and there's there's a pirate cove. There's mermaids. I mean, they didn't address the like obviously the tiger lily stuff for understandable and good reasons. Um, but there's so much crazy stuff in Neverland that it needs to be a lot. It needs to be like this visual change from the boringness of modern regular life of London. That when you show up, you're just like, oh my god, there's so many things. It needs to be this like out there moment. It's what mm-hmm. it's what Neverland. Wonderland and Oz all have a vibe of extreme over the top yeah. childhoodness that there's just such a visual like like a lot moment that should be a problem for adults because that's not a place adults go. Those mm-hmm. aren't places adults are supposed to venture. Those are places kids go. If you had to choose, where would you want to hang out? Sophie's choice. Bet- for me. <laughs> Between Wonderland, Neverland, and I guess Oz. Is such a hard choice. I would not want to fuck with Wonderland. Wonderland is not like, a place to go to. That is no, I, like <laughs> I that's so. like a Too big, much. a big X for me. Like I would not hang out there if you paid me. Uh, too many tricks. Yeah, you gotta be worried with your when you're there. I mean. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, Oz is okay. Like, Neverland, you don't age. I guess what I'd be worried about is, like, okay, I'm hanging out for a while, right? But if I return home from Neverland, is, like, everybody else going to be super fucking old by the time I get back? Like, well, it seems we time's time slower in the, the real way. world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so maybe Neverland is the place to go. You can fly, which is pretty freaking cool. You got to get that fairy dust, but yes. Yeah. Got to find yourself I, a tank. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? Probably Neverland. I mean, like, the only benefits of Oz is... No, I mean, unless you're a rich bitch and get to hang out in Emerald City, that well, would probably be good. But everywhere else, I probably wouldn't want to be. Well, it's so... It, there's, like, the movie versions and then, like, the book versions, right? So along with Peter Pan, I'm a, I'm a massive, massive, massive Wizard of Oz fan. Like, there's about 13 Wizard of Oz books. I believe I've read them all. Um, they're really fascinating. They explore different parts of, uh, of, of like the countries around Oz. The book is very, the 
the book is different from the movie, but um, I would probably go Neverland because I, uh, immortality has like been my jam forever. It's the thing I've always wanted. Uh, but Oz is, I do like Oz a lot. I think it's interesting and crazy and weird and I'm into it, but the Emerald City in the books is not Emerald. Uh, everyone has to wear green goggles because it's not actually oh, an Emerald it's City. Fake. Yeah, because oh. everything like Oz himself like is is kind of like a scam guy. Yeah. So like he set up this entire thing. So like you wear these goggles because the mm-hmm. the, the lights are too bright otherwise. Yeah. But then in actuality, it's no, it's not Emeralds at all. Yeah, it's like Emerald City kind of just feels a little bit like the capital from Hunger Games. Like. <laughs> It's just yeah. too good to be true yeah. to be over there. So you don't even want to be over there. So, yeah, probably Neverland. It's like, you know, there's a lot of areas. You can hang out with the mermaids that are mean. The mermaids who you just hang make out. out with Peter Pan, by well, the way. they were giving him oxygen so he doesn't drown. Oh, I didn't get that. And I was oxygen. like, oh, yeah, that's a good excuse. They're also like making out with him, too. Yeah, it's like, hey, Moira, don't worry about me making out with all of these mermaids. They were just saving my life. Yeah. Um, you know where I would go? I think of all of the places, Narnia, those you three options. Narnia? I was going to say Narnia. I'm going to hang out with Aslan. That's all I want to do because he's cute. He's fluffy. They what is he? Is he a lion? He's a huge yeah. lion. Massive lion. Yeah. Oh, but the, you know, a little too preachy lions. for me to go to Narnia. He is, he is kind of preachy. He is a bit of like a know-it-all. Uh, Sarah, he's a bit of like a feeny. Like, he, he really, likes mm. thinks he knows everything. But I like Feeny. <laughs> yeah, but why do I want to hang out with a judgy lion? Like, <laughs> rewatching Boy Meets World, really, like, Feeny is on his high horse, like, 95% of the time. Like, in a great way, but still. You don't really remember that as a kid, but going through it as an adult, you're kind of like, all right, judgmental Feeny, here we go again, <laughs> and on another con. Um, but, but, yeah, like... I think that I think Narnia is probably probably the place to be. Honestly, all of them are very dangerous. So. There, there are all these analogies, like Narnia included. Like I, I remember, there's a story that's really God, man. I, I'm blanking on the name of it right now, but like the idea of it is that all these different like places were places that kids went to when they died and when they like you know pass away or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's where they venture into. So like you have Oz is like Dorothy's afterlife and so forth and so on, which is really interesting, right? Like the idea of like the kids escaping and so forth. Yeah. Um, yeah, Oz yeah is... I love I love Peter calling it. Um, what is this Lord of the Flies preschool? Um, <laughs> and then Sarah, I'm sure you found this funny when he sh- says this is an insurance nightmare. Like Will looks yeah. directly at me because I am known to like go someplace and be like this. How do they have insurance for any of this? <laughs> I'm that person at a party. We went. To I a don't wedding. think they have insurance <laughs> policies in Neverland. If it is a wonderful no. place, uh, insurance yeah. companies don't. No, exist. no one's gonna cover it. We went to yeah. a wedding and they had like these. I still don't know what they were, but they, we were indoors and they looked like little like firework shooter sparkler things that were like hitting the ceiling. And I was like, who's covering this place with insurance? Because this looks dangerous. Yeah, practical Peter Pan, uh, who's like a fish out of water just entering Neverland, is definitely a vibe just (laughs) really 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 funny and he's like i'm a lawyer um i like in that i like how they're like we're gonna kill you not that type of lawyer (laughs) (laughs) don't worry don't worry um Yeah. yeah i also loved that like i mentioned before the baseball scene and how like you know if you try to steal second you get shot, shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh that in that same scene too that was probably one of the also another i mean i feel like we keep saying this that was also one of the best scenes because i love the because idea because it's a great movie <laughs> 
I love the idea of having a hook and then just like changing it out with different things. Mm-hmm. So he has like a baseball mitt on. Um, I, I'm thinking like, okay, you could have a fork on one of them, a spoon. When you need to eat. Yeah, when you need to eat. Like you the just chalk. change it out. Yeah. Yeah. The lessons where, where you know, you're like learning about why parents suck. <laughs> it's like you had the little chalk on there. In uh, in the in the original, and um, uh, it's actually because uh, Peter actually cuts off his right hand because that's his sword hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it, that would make sense, and I believe in the original he does interchange his hook in and out because that scene of stealing the hook is another reference to a story that like mm-hmm. Peter did that when he was younger, like stealing yeah. his hook was like a thing. Uh, so okay, so Peter cut off the hand right mm-hmm. this is true mm-hmm. and fed it to the crocodile tell right yes. is that true it's like the, yes. the, tell me the if one I'm... that goes like tick tock with like its eyes and stuff yeah. yeah tell me if i'm wrong but like i feel like that is a valid vendetta against <laughs> peter pan i mean yeah but to be fair hook was trying to kill him mm-hmm. <laughs> there is that probably because he's so annoying yeah, well. like hook is probably like yo like let me just fuck around on my side of the island let me get the gold let me like shoot the pirates and peter pan's like always instigating shit and like flying around and literally being like a little buzzy bug around hook's head and he's probably just like fuck off dude like leave me alone well there's a lot in there i think that's that's also like the subtle stuff because like i'm gonna defend peter pan because obviously my obsession <laughs> but the, the subtle stuff that they do here that I think is interesting is that um, Hook obviously has a problem with Peter. Um, they have the vendetta. And I think, you know, obviously in the original, it's as simple as the fact of Peter's a kid and he represents this part of Hook that is gone forever. And Hook's afraid of the tick-tock to croc, clock, or croc, who swallowed a clock and that's why you hear the ticking because that's, again, the ticking sound of death. He's approaching death and that's his biggest fear as an adult. So Peter represents everything that he wish he has. Um, so what they did in this movie, though, is that they kind of established that the pirates kidnapped the kids. Like, they have taken some Lost Boys. They probably get a hold of some kids who cross over to Neverland and don't end up in the Lost Boys immediately. Because Maggie wasn't the only kid in that room. And you see at Mm -hmm. one point, uh, at the very beginning, like, one of the pirates has a kid and is showing the hook getting sharpened and everything. And there's an idea here that what the pirates are doing is taking these kids and forcing them to grow up. Forcing them to become pirates become, and become "quote unquote" adults because every oh. uh, every adult in in Neverland is a pirate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of that 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 stuff in there. I think really works. Also, just just I, I, on a side note, um, I love this movie because I think it does something cool and interesting with the mythos into propelling it into the future and doing the story that still ties back to the themes. That's a much better uh, thing to me than doing what Hollywood loves to do, which is the origin story. The it's not oh, even retelling yeah. the origin story because the origin story they chose to do is Captain Hook. And the question was that they were like some some person in a meeting must have been like, okay, but like, why is Captain Hook the bad guy? Because he's an adult. That's why he's bad. <laughs> Peter's a child. He's an adult. That's as far as it goes, guys. And so like the yeah. fact that they did an origin story for Hook infuriates me. It was the last one that like I I nailed in my coffin of the bad guy origins because it just infuriated me so much it's like I, yeah i, I so refuse to, i refuse to watch it because if you're trying to like give me the origin story of a woman who wants to murder puppies i don't care what's yes! in that movie yes! go away 
go the hell away. I haven't watched it either because <laughs> I just find it so offensive that they even people tell people say it's good, and I'm like, I don't give a crap. Like, I how don't... are you going to make me sympathize with a woman who kills puppies for coke? Also, stop making me sympathize with evil people. Maybe yeah. if we didn't have that ingrained <laughs> in our head for so long, we wouldn't be desperately trying to do it in real life. But I don't want to get into that here now. But yeah. like this yeah. movie does something interesting with why pirates are bad other than that they're an adult because they're taking children and forcing them to essentially become like them. I think that is an interesting, subtle way that this movie did something that they decided to make a two and a half hour other movie try and do and fail. It's just... So what is Hook's origin story in that movie that you hate? Uh, oh, I never, I, I, I only watched bits and pieces of it before I was just like, oh, and there's like, um, another pirate, who was it? Oh God, Blackbeard or something? That was, oh, yeah, 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 and I was just like, I'm out, oh, I'm not doing this. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, it's like, yeah, what is the, we know why he is the way he is. We don't need an origin we story don't. telling us why he's a crappy person. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, when I said like, that was the nail, it was because like, once I heard they were doing it, I'm like, I'm done with this, I'm done with this. And, yeah. like, I saw a clip when they released a trailer and stuff, and I was like, absolutely not. This is stupid. It's like they're trying to capitalize on everybody's nostalgia, which, again, this movie does as well because it's made in the 90s and the original Peter Pan, I mean, way, way, way back, but then the children's version in the 50s, you know, they, they are capitalizing on our nostalgia. But, like, this really does tell a different side of the story of, like, well, what would happen if, if Peter grew up? You know, what would it be like if he then became that overworked American that – we all frankly are at this point. Like, I do think even though this was made in the 90s, like there's a lot of things that are like relatable to nowadays, right? Like Peter always being on his cell phone. Hi, that's all of yeah. us. But 10 times worse. Like it, it re he really is all of us to the point where he doesn't even like isn't spending time with his kids because he's so just ingrained in what he's doing at work that he doesn't have the time. Um, and he doesn't prioritize his time to be there for his kids. Like, this is a very relatable story to modern day, even though it is, you know, 30 years old at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the idea of, like, yeah, we need to disconnect, guys. We need to, like, stop working ourselves to death and spend time with the yeah. people we love. Uh, which yeah. is certainly a lesson that we all could, could take to heart. But, of course, it's difficult to do. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, I just, there's so much in here. And, like... Again, the references work really well for me because there's so many that are subtle that only if you really, really know it. Like, again, the catching the John stuff, knowing that the stealing of the hook is a thing. Even direct lines, like the the um, dark and sinister man have at thee is straight out from uh, his confrontation with Hook in the book. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's another reference line. I love the, of course, the, um, the uh, to die is an awfully big adventure is like Peter's like big line. But like yes. the... The, the inversion at the end, which is actually from the play, so it's, like, not the movie that, like, effed it around, like, it's it has precedent, is, uh you know, like, to live to be, would be an awfully big adventure, I think is such a wonderful, beautiful, like, closer to that. Like, it's so mm -hmm. perfect to have him say that. And so I just think there's so much in here and thought that went into it, more so than, like, uh, these other movies do. These other movies are so overt with the references sometimes, especially if they do the origin. Like, again, the Han Solo one is just, like, everything you ever knew about Han Solo coincidentally just happened in this one adventure. So there you go, just one adventure, and he got mm -hmm. it all. And I think, like, it's just so lazy the way that things are. I hate to be, like, the old man here on that, but, like, it's lazy the way that they do this stuff now. And this movie, I think, did such a clever way of, like, incorporating so many themes and understanding what that story is actually about. And, again, the fact that the critics didn't like it is insane. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah. yeah. I, I. No, go ahead. I still don't. 
No, I just like still don't totally understand what the critics' issues were. I mean, their complaints were the universe was too big. There was too many props and too many people. It's like, okay. I think it was like, that. And? Yeah, I think it was that. I think it was like retreading old territory, even though like Kevin said, like it is a new, it's a twist on an existing, you know, story, a dist- existing mythos. Um I don't I mean I don't know I think like the, the runtime for me is a little bit long but again this was the 90s like it's also a different a little bit of a different time like nowadays I, I do think this is more of a movie for like either teens or adults simply because like it's uh, because of the length and I mean obviously like having Captain Hook like threaten suicide is something that's like you know not necessarily something you want to show your kids now um but like yeah I just think I don't know I mean, why we saw exactly. it and we turned out okay though <laughs> I just don't know why but like, like literally but literally whenever I'm over something that's exactly what I do like, I'm gonna I'm do like, it just, I'm gonna do it yeah. I'm like just kill me I'm gonna go yeah. uh <laughs> It shaped my person. I'm going to walk into the ocean never to be seen again. That's a thing that I say all the time. I know. I mean, I literally say, like, if this doesn't happen, I'm going to go drown myself. Like, so I think that I got some Captain Hook upside. Um, Kevin, what would you say if your adventure with Peter Pan's not over? In 2020, Peter Pan and Wendy is slated to come out on Disney+. Plus. In 2020? Uh, 2022. Oh, 2022. Yeah. Yeah. 2022. I heard is this, so I'm this is a part that I'm not like super familiar with. So I knew they were doing another Peter, pa- Peter Pan thing. This is just an adaptation of the book at this point. Uh, it seems to be so. So this is a live act, uh, a live action adaptation of the 1953 animated film Peter Pan. Oh, uh, it's Disney's Disney thing that they're doing. Got it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I so mean, this will, be, uh, this will be a movie or a like a mini series. A movie, uh-huh. I think. Um, it seems as though that Jude Law is um, cast to play Captain Hook. Um, That's an interesting I don't hate it. choice. What was he and, in most recently that he played like a young hardcore? Pope. What was it? I was saying he's in The Young Pope when that was a thing. Oh, no. He was in something recently, and he was a villain. And I was like, really? Jude Law? But he was actually really good. Maybe it was an older movie, and I'm just not remembering. I feel like um, Jude Law could do a villain pretty pretty decently. Especially, I think, like Dustin Hoffman, like they, you know, make it, put, put him in some makeup, and I think they can definitely pull him off as Captain Hook. I don't, oh. if it's, here's here's my thoughts. If it's clo- if it's closer to like the Beauty and the Beast live action and those stuff, I'm not gonna like it. If it's like Mighty Ducks Game Changers, I'll probably like it. I just I think that Disney these days, especially when they're doing the live action stuff, tries to go so hard to be woke that they just are too much. As I as I say sometimes, it's just like too woke. Go back to sleep. And I feel like that's what I really want for some of these movies because it's also just like what half the time feels like a bunch of like older white dudes trying to like figure out how to like social commentary. And I'm like, stop it. Um, mm-hmm. Even stuff with Aladdin, which I love because I mean, Aladdin's hugely important to me. I was just like, what are you doing with this, these parts though? Like, what are you like? What's the, what's the point of what you're trying to say? You have this mm-hmm. entire song about how she won't be silenced. And literally two seconds after that, he silences her through magic. What, what, what were you doing? Like what, what is the core? Like what, what was the point of what you just did? Um, anyway. So like, I would love it, and I'm interested to see these things. Would I like to see new stuff? Sure. I, I love Otter, you know, looks at, like, Peter Pan. There's a there's a book that I have I, I, I want to dive into um, called uh, The Child Thief that's about a more sinister version of Peter Pan where he steals <laughs> the children and brings them to Neverland. 
Um, mm, so there's goodness. all these. There's the, these are things I'm really interested in. And I love that stuff. I love the Lost Boys because it's like again, the Lost Boys is a vampire film, but the the allusion to the idea, of course, vampires living forever. Originally in the Lost Boys, they were supposed to be children, like children vampires, and they thought that was too weird, mm-hmm. so they aged them up into bikers, which I'm all about. Um, <laughs> but like that stuff is really fascinating to me. So like I'm definitely interested in Peter and Wendy. Don't get me wrong, because as a person who loves the mythology, I'm interested in watching a lot of it. I even saw that one. Um, with the oh god, was it two thousand three with Jason? Uh, yeah, yeah, Jason Isaacs as, uh, as Captain Hook and stuff. I I even saw that and I was just like, that's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's hard because they. I also think they try to make it sometimes too serious, and I think that's the wrong way to go with Peter Pan. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'll check it out. I mean, I'm not like super excited about it, but I uh, will have to probably buy it for my coworker's son. So. We'll, we'll all watch it. <laughs> We're all Disney people now. We're just going to watch it because uh, it exists. I'm just looking to see who's even who's even in it. Alexander Maloney is supposed to play um, Peter. Apparently, he will make his film de- debut in this movie. I'm he's, into that. He's a teenager. He's So that's interesting. So they it's going to be teen Peter Pan versus... Uh, Versus like a kid kid. Yeah. Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, like obviously, right? I, I don't like mind it. I mean, if he's a teen, it's fine. Um, yeah. A lot of, li- I mean, I don't notice any of the names. A lot of unknowns. I mean, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's the way to go though, right? Like we don't necessarily need to see big, big names. And yeah, that's what Spielberg was saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Jim Gaffigan is going to play Mr. Smee. That's great casting. <laughs> that is great casting. I love that. I totally can see that. That's so interesting. That's exciting. Yeah, if, if Bob Hoskins sadly had not passed away, I would just be like, Bob Hoskins should continuously play Mr. Smee full stop. Just like J.K. Simmons can only play um, uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Yes. That's it. Same deal. Like, J.K. Simmons is the only J. Jonah yes. Jameson. Bob Hoskins is the only Smee. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm interested. I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably check this out. I'm, I'm curious enough to, to check out Peter Pan and Wendy. We'll see how they do. I, I do like Jude Law, so I would, I would watch that. We actually just recently watched Gattaca, which I absolutely love. That's another that's film good that's like, it's so ridiculous that like some people haven't seen it because I don't know if it has any praise or anything, but like I remember seeing it in I think high school or middle school maybe, and I was like. Why is no one talking about this? this yeah, is I feel like it's a very cult classic movie. Like it's one of the movies that like didn't, wasn't really well known, but mm-hmm. like the fans who saw it loved it because I I also really enjoy that movie. Yeah, it's so good, and it's ninety seven too, another nineties movie. Um, but but yeah, no, I think I really liked this movie. I think my only issues with it, I think we kind of already talked about, like Julia Roberts. I didn't feel like was a great Tinkerbell. I didn't really enjoy Tinkerbell in this movie that much. I mean, I I prefer her in the animated fifties uh, movie with, you know, she's very sassy and like I am almost. I mean, I kind of see how they have to have her speak in this in yes. this role. Um, she, but I do. She does like, have like one of the best lines in the movie, though. I will say. Um, which one which is, is it? the one at the very end where she said uh and that, i think that works so well as for neverland as a whole where it's like that place between dreaming and awake mm-hmm. uh i that, that's such a wonderful beautiful line that i think says a lot about like neverland and the idea of like childhood and where it la- where, where it stays for us and everything mm-hmm. i i adore it uh apparently also carrie fisher wrote that line which is really interesting carrie fisher was yeah. brought on as a script doctor for that's for amazing yeah yeah i think that like 
the reason I enjoy Tinkerbell much more in the 50s version is because she has more like um like bb8 r2d2 energy where like you know she makes like all her attitude comes through in like little like tinks and buzzing and you know like lights and everything um versus actually speaking i think sometimes it's almost worth it to have something like that instead you know where you can just infer the attitude based on the noises um but but yeah i think i think beyond that and the fact that it was i feel like they could cut a little bit of time off like shave a little bit of that time off of the movie like it is Two and a half hours is pretty long for something that is supposed to be. I mean, it's a PG, so I assume it's intended for families to see together. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit of cut off the off the runtime, but I I really liked revisiting this movie. I think it made me appreciate Robin Williams even more than I I mean already did. They had to shave him, by the way, for this movie. I don't yeah. know if talk about he's, he's, he's a very he's hairy hairy man. His his arms <laughs> yeah. and chest. Yeah. Imagine that growing back in. That would be so itchy. Yeah, that would have been rough. It grew back in the next day. Yeah. They had to continuously shave him. They had to shave him on set. Yeah. Take yeah. 24 hour shaving. I heard that, yeah, just like how, um, uh, uh, just how Julia Roberts' assistant apparently had a job of cleaning her feet because she was barefoot the whole time. Which apparently she insisted. Does Tinkerbell oh, wear like little ballet flats? She does, yes. Yeah. Why would well, she? But always have to get her feet cleaned. So I feel bad for the feet, the foot cleaner and the shaver. Yeah. They, they got Shout the raw deal. <laughs> They're the ones that are writing the bad critic reviews for the movie. I uh, yeah the the Robin Williams part like the shaving thing is 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 just so funny and like. The Spielberg himself has said, like, now that um, he and even then, actually, he said he was thankful for this movie because him and Robin Williams became super close after this mm-hmm. this film. So, like, I think, you know, he can appreciate that fact. And I did remember reading that, like, apparently after Robin Williams passed away, Steven Spielberg tried watching this and it just was cry too much and he couldn't, which mm-hmm. is, of course, like sad. Um, and on a much lighter note, though, I will say this about Tinkerbell in the 1953 version uh, specifically. So it was noticeable to me, as uh, I mentioned, we were doing a Disney rewatch. Um, so we were going through all the different Disney films. How people were, how the characters were drawn was very specific. And they were looking a little more like, not lifelike, but closer to like how human proportions are for most of the characters, especially female lead characters uh, or female characters in these movies at the mm-hmm. time. And then I noticed something happen. Because Tinkerbell specifically is drawn very differently from the women that came before. Her features are more exaggerated. Like there's little there's little things about her that now you will see is way more akin to what a normal Disney princess looks like today. And it part of me is very clear. Like they were drawing these characters and people weren't responding. But clearly, some people saw this movie and were like, "Hey, but check out that Tinkerbell, yo!" Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all the Disney women now are drawn mm-hmm. to look closer to like yeah. the bigger eyes and everything. Yo, and I was just like, yeah, "Oh my big god!" Big eyes, big boobs, small waist, all it's, the, all of it's the above. Wild. Yeah, no, that's I thought a, that was very funny when I was re- doing the rewatch. Good point. Yeah, no, Tinkerbell, she's she's got them hips that don't lie. That's for sure. Even in the fifties. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, the shortest little skirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love Tinkerbell. It's she. It's a great character. Bad bitch energy. Yeah. I feel like they should have had her wear. Like, imagine if Julie Roberts had worn those little ballet fats with the little puffs on the top. That would have been yeah. so cute. 
It would have been yeah. it would have been cool. Like and I I mean again they reference the stuff right like the clapping uh, to to make the fairies mm-hmm. come alive and stuff like that. There's so many in here again. The fact that in the in the play at the school it was a um it was a girl playing Peter Pan. That's you know a yes. tradition. Um, so like all all those little things I, I liked a lot, but like yeah, the Tinkerbell stuff is the one thing that does stand out. That I'm just yeah. like, come on guys, come on. I still I do think too like I mean that the the like graphics themselves weren't that bad. We know that it was like a lot of green screen stuff, right? With Tinkerbell, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Obviously noticeable and much different than nowadays. But like I hope with this new this new um, one coming out, like I I feel like it would be cool to have like Tinkerbell like glowing like we see in the animated you know film. Like mm-hmm. I I just like. Yeah, I think there's something that was a little bit kind of missing with Tinkerbell. And I, maybe it was if it was somebody else playing it or she had the, the sass that she usually does, maybe I wouldn't have noticed as much. But um, yeah, I just think I, I don't need her in her, you know, what appears to be like a nighty outfit. Um, but <laughs> yeah. That's what I fairies think, wear. <laughs> that is, that's, of course, that's what fairies wear, obviously. You know, why would they be fully clothed? Um, yeah, I think that, I think that I'd be curious to see, uh, what happens in the 2022, uh, film with Tinkerbell. Um, maybe who will see who they, well, I guess it's, yeah, it's, it's live action. You said Sarah. So then we'll see who they, who's in that for, uh, if it's a teenager or, or what, I'm not sure. Um, but that will be, that will be interesting. Sarah, do you have any other thoughts on anything on hook that we haven't already covered? Any favorite moments, anything we've missed that you wanted to bring Hmm. up? No, I think that we covered all of my favorite parts. Um, you know, I did like the I like that um Toodles got his marbles yes. back. Yes. That was so sweet. I think I think that, you know, it was like, you know, he's uh, that crazy Toodles, like lost his marbles, is looking for something that doesn't exist. And then he actually did physically lose his marbles, but they're just really like all of his good memories. Mm-hmm. Thought that was nice. It's also uh, another reference when he says that um, I missed the adventure again. Apparently that has happened to Toodles a few times in the book. Like where he he will sometimes like miss the adventure, uh, so I Wait, he's that. like too busy sleeping. Yeah, he's like, just what is he up to? Just off doing his own stuff, I guess, taking a nap. Yeah, maybe. I also love that they 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 did the con like that that part specifically was hard confirmation. Like, no, that stuff happened. Like they could have done the easy way out, and like you know, I love Love Wizard of Oz, but oh, and I love the yeah. movie, but like the ending of that yeah. movie is just like it was all just maybe a dream. And then this yeah. is just like, no, 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 that happened. The dude's flying. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's awesome. flying. Like, like, that was amazing. He just starts yeah. flying out the window. And I was like, oh, this is how it's ending. Okay, yeah. I'm into this. You know, let him let him fly around the city. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Toodles gets to return to Neverland. I love it. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy they did that. Because I think the easy way out would have been annoying. Of just like, maybe it was dream, maybe it wasn't. And I'm just like, come on, guys. So, yeah. Again, they made the right call in this movie. Where I feel like in modern day, they probably would have been like, ambiguous dream or not. Is the top spinning or did it fall over? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. No, spot on. Um, One other thing is, like, this bedroom situation with, like, the doors and all of that, like, I I love the, first of all, the imagery of, like, oh, make sure, you know, you keep the doors closed. Don't ever open these doors in the beginning with Peter saying that. And then kind of the end, he's like, always keep them open, you know? That bedroom is such an iconic bed. I, I just, like, as a kid, that would have been, like, my dream bedroom it was just like such like especially the the fort that maggie has with um her grand or what is it great grandmother i guess great grandmother so sweet and the hook as like the latch on the doors like just 
perfect like that bedroom I don't know it's just so iconic especially you hear um Jack say like oh well at home we have bars on our windows it's like well geez Louise like that's severe um but it's just I like that imagery too of like at the end of the film just leave leave them open let the breeze come in take you away you know let it let yourself fly um I love that bedroom so much it's so cute uh I also love that line from that moment where Maggie was just like uh you're very old. And, she, and Megan was like, that's very true. Just said it. <laughs> <laughs> I love Megan Smith so much. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Oh, and the one other issue I had with Jack that was a reason I liked Maggie a little bit more. Jack doesn't even recognize his father. Like, I'm sorry. He doesn't look that different now that he's become Peter no, Pan. No, I think he can't. that they get in. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like they got, he got entranced. Mm-hmm. Oh, by like, Captain Hook. Like he was literally in a trance. Well, it's a faded memory I, thing, right? Like that's, Yeah, but that's... Maggie remembered him. Yeah, but Maggie didn't spend time with Hook because Hook didn't like her. Because she's like, like I he... want my daddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah. she was like fighting against the Neverland part of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. no, like the moment Peter remembered Neverland, like leaned back in, he forgot completely. And mm-hmm. I think it, it's that thing, like the smashing of the clocks. Time has no meaning here. And if you lean into that idea of like Neverland is where I am now, like your memories have to fade. You you can't yeah. remember stuff, you know? Yeah. I uh, I did like seeing Jack wearing all of the, the Captain Hook garb. That it was looked so very, stupid yeah, on him. It was, it was wonderful. So it looked ridiculous. Yeah. The stupid wig like killed yeah. me. So the, the little kids felt... when they were dressed up as pirates at one point was just so... I noticed that yeah. that was really funny. The other kids weren't dressed as like the oldest slightly older ones were but the youngest tiniest children mm-hmm. were dressed full out as pirates i totally <laughs> saw that as like one of those moments of just like yeah the youngest kids would do this you know yeah <laughs> like i want to be a pirate yeah yeah, yeah. no very sweet it, it's a it is a great movie i think that some people just don't i don't know they just don't don't appreciate like what heart went into it you know what i mean like you could tell like it's supposed to there's all this like some symbolism in it and it's supposed to kind of make you feel like anything is possible right like just use your imagination um but i i really enjoyed it and i i mean i i feel like we have to cover more robin williams sarah because mm-hmm. oh yeah it's just a joy to I would watch love to. like i know you know I do you think him. that um dawson leary thinks that this is hook is one of you know this, what uh, spielberg's worst films i looked it up he does have the uh the hook poster in his room i did look it up he does i was curious okay um but apparently so the the writer kevin williamson for dawson's creek he reached out to spielberg Spielberg, uh, because he needed to get you know permission to use the posters in the show and i guess steven spielberg was like super nice about it and he's like yeah like do whatever whatever you want with it like really yeah oh so he he didn't um send out a season no we always like joke about that about. yeah we always joke that he's like all right yeah. enough dawson like leave me the fuck alone <laughs> yeah i mean they only said the name spielberg once in season two <laughs> so um yeah. Yeah, but he does. Did you know that, Kevin, that Dawson from Dawson's Creek is like obsessed with Spielberg? I did. I did not know that. He like only talks about Spielberg like in the first season, like every like three lines is like Spielberg this and his his crusty teenage bedroom has Spielberg posters like all around. And he even has I can't remember which two posters he has on the inside of his closet doors, but it's like the two that like are known as like not great Spielberg films are like on the inside of the closet doors. He still has them. I don't remember which yeah. two they are, though. What year was Dawson's Creek? It started... 97. Yeah, started in so 97. So if, if, if it is any type of true, 
then by that merit, Dawson would have been the right age and he should love Hook. Uh, because again, mm. the proper age, you do love that movie. So if he didn't like Hook, that is yeah. clearly a screenwriter saying what they want and not what the actual reality of the kids are, which happens all the time because screenwriters yeah. write what they are familiar with and don't actually write to what the kids are into or whatever. At the, the, yeah, I, can't I think the kids like, are into. Jesus Christ, what is wrong with me? I can't believe I said those words. Dawson doesn't really, he never really mentions Hook. Like he's certainly, he's like a huge like Jaws fan and Jurassic Park fan. Like I feel like he mentions those more often than anything else, but he does have the Hook poster. So we know that like he's at least somewhat, oh, and E.T., obviously. He's like obsessed with E.T. He has the E.T. doll. Oh yeah, he has... He has collector's items. Sorry, collector. Yeah, it's a very big thing in the <laughs> yeah. show. It's a collector's yeah. item. Um, yeah. Not a doll. Yeah. But if we were going to, Sarah or Kevin, if we were going to cover another Robin Williams film from the 90s, what do you think is like the easy chalk pick of like I mean, Robin Williams to cover? I feel like there's, there's the one that uh, you should do, which is, of course, Mrs. Doubtfire. How do you not do yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire? Mrs. Doubtfire is great. I was thinking Flubber because like as a child, <laughs> I love of flubber we got like the vhs and then it had a keychain that was flubber on it and i loved that keychain i remember it like popped eventually and like all the liquid came out but um was the flubber vhs tape green yes it was yeah because the nickelodeon had like the orange tapes and yeah yeah yeah. wow yeah Yeah. good good for them (laughs) some good marketing good for flubber What a good, um, what a good time! But yeah, maybe say, maybe Mrs. Doubtfire is the one. I just noticed this, Jess, and I feel like I should read this here. Uh, there was a text that came in uh, from my fiance some time ago because I am a very loud individual, even while recording. <laughs> and she said it's a real thing. My phone is just too big for, I guess, her own her own chest. Uh, most, I'd say, fifty percent or more of women do it. Justice for Jess. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All it right. Is a there thing. we go. It is a thing, and I'm telling you, I don't understand why all leggings slash yoga pants don't have that. You know that like side thigh pocket. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. all should have that by now, like because they give you that little that dinky little pocket that's up on the waistband for like keys. Like we're actually running in anything of like, <laughs> these are athleisure wear. <laughs> we're not running. I'm not going anywhere. I just want to be comfortable. Okay. I'm really leading to the leisure part of athleisure. Exactly. Like since 2020, <laughs> nobody is wearing anything besides elastic waistbands. Like, let's get real. It's, true. it's very true. Yes. But thank you, Robin. I appreciate that. <laughs> Go listen to all of Robin's hair takes uh, about <laughs> on the post Yeah, if you, if you check out Everything is Super, uh, whenever we cover a movie with Black Widow, Robin shares her hair takes, which is. I neat. always appreciate her hair takes. I was a big fan of the braids in. Um, in uh, Black Widow uh, yeah I totally that's it's definitely a different time period for sure than when mm-hmm. that film was supposed to have taken place I think braids are like certainly more as I have one right now I feel like they're definitely more in right now as well but uh, yeah. Sarah what do you what do you think you think braids are making a, a comeback now or are they just sticking around yeah uh, braids <laughs> <laughs> Sarah cares so much um, I, I mean, I think that's like all I have to to say on on Hook. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. What do you? We know you have a lot going on. Give us yeah, the well, spiel on what's going on with you. One, thanks again for having me for this. This was so awesome. I, as I said, I love this movie so much. So I'm really glad I got to talk about it um, here with you all. As for what I got going on, yeah, the big thing, everything is super as mentioned, is the podcast I do with Josh Wiggler on post show recaps. 
uh, where we have started it last year, going through every single Marvel movie one by one. Mm -hmm. But from there, we have continued on to do uh, all the Marvel series as they are happening between breaks. We've done things like Wonder Woman, a uh, Wonder Woman, uh, and we've done Superman. And so, um, if you tune into that, we just finished up Loki. We just talked about Black Widow, and we're mm -hmm. going to be prepping to go into What If, the next Marvel TV show, uh, coming soon in August. But we have a fun project we're doing in between that because there's a two week break. So if you tune into that, you'll see what we're going to be doing. Um, then uh, the other big, big thing I have going on is for the uh, patrons of Post Show Recaps. That's if you go to patreon.com slash postshowrecaps and sign up at the $5 level, you would get access to this podcast I'm about to tell you and a bunch of others, including uh, ones by many other uh, Post Show Recaps uh, patrons themselves. Uh, I do with Melissa Woodward uh, a podcast called Why, eh? Which is about young adult fiction. Um, adaptations specifically is where we're focused right now. We talk about the books themselves and the adaptations. And we kick things off very recently in the first franchise we were doing is, of course, the Twilight Saga. Probably one of the biggest mm -hmm. uh, series in young adults ever. Um, maybe one other one is bigger. But uh, this is this has been a lot of fun for her and I. We've been doing the movies one by one. We did the first movie. We did New Moon, and we're about to do Eclipse. So uh, sign up and tune in. It's a really fun conversation. Mm -hmm. We're not just trashing on it. There's actually stuff in there that we talk about that we really, really like. So it's, no, it's, it's, really, it's, fun it's really thorough. I just finished the second one today, the the New Moon one. And nice. <laughs> it is it was so funny. Like, I, I appreciate the conversation you guys have because you are, like, in a sense, like, trashing a lot of the, like, really hokey, like, just terrible terrible really bad things that like happens in twilight but it's just like a really fun conversation between you two you guys have like excellent chemistry so i enjoy listening to it that the one specific scene that i i was trying to remember what it was that i laughed out loud in theater when i saw it and my friend got really mad at me um because she was very serious about like twilight and i went with her for her birthday of was when i'm fairly certain it was when taylor lautner like removes his shirt, his shirt? And uses his shirt to like stop <laughs> a wound I'm almost positive that is the scene that I laughed out loud and my friend was like so bad at me. <laughs> well, especially because like, I'm, I mean, like for me, that scene happens and Taylor Lautner takes his shirt off and like the only thing I'm just like is like, my God, abs. Yeah, Like abs, he abs, is abs. ripped. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's wild. Yeah. yeah, so definitely check that out. It's really, it's really fun. I can't wait to see what you guys do next. There's, I mean, there is, it's a deep, There's a deep lot, there's a lot of young so. adults out there. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So give that a, give that a peek. And I think you are at Kev Mahadeo on Twitter is that that correct? is true I am at Kevin Mahadeo on Twitter you can check out my website themahadman.com which has not been updated in a while and uh, yeah that'd be that'd be awesome though if you can check those stuff out great give me a follow or whatever <laughs> <laughs> Sarah what do we have uh, going on this is we're, we're coming at the end of July I can't believe it it's wild I know I know it really just like spit on by didn't mm -hmm. it so we have our normal Dawson's Creek and Boy Meets World content um, we're in the middle of season three of Boy Meets World or we're coming on to the middle of Boy Meets the middle of season three and then we're in the middle of season two of Dawson's Creek um, we have a lot of fun stuff planned for August so just stay tuned in terms of bonus content mm -hmm. um, but yeah tons of exciting stuff happening you can find us at Shit 90s Pod on Twitter and Instagram and uh, if you want to send in feedback at uh, Shit 90s Pod at gmail.com wonderful and you can always find me over at uh, Community Building which is on Post Show Recaps as well with Josh Wiggler uh, covering Community we are up to Modern Warfare 
there. Big, big moment. We are nearly nice. into season two. It is. We are going to be firing on all cylinders. I'm so pumped to get into season two of Community. Love season two and three. I love Modern yes. Warfare, though. It's one of my favorite episodes of this It's so sure. good. I just rewatched it today. It's It holds up perfectly. Like, I mean, I'm going to some spoil, original like, songs. It, yes, it's so, it's just so brilliant. It's so perfect. Um, So go check that out if you'd like, if that's something you're interested in. Um, yeah, thank you so much again, Kevin, for coming on. This is such a treat. I feel like it, I, I mean, we were like dying to get you back since we had you on for Casper and it just like worked out perfectly to have you on for Hook as well. So I'm sure we'll be in touch. We'll figure out something else to get you on for. Um, thank you all for listening. We will talk to you all next time. Have a good one. Just ask. Shit me. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.